Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ariel Martinez. Welcome to my podcast. Well, happy Monday, everybody. I know we're all excited to be back at work and that the weekend is over. Um, Happy Easter uh, to you all as well. I'm going to kick off this episode here with giving you a very, very, I guess, unfortunate but uh, extremely important lesson that I learned early in my career. It was actually uh, one of, I would say it's the biggest mistake that I've ever made um, in my career, which was really bad. So I got hired by Lexus of a a, a local Lexus dealership uh, here in Miami. And I was hired to go and uh, take some pictures of the of the of the facilities of the cars and uh this is really a photography gig not a videography gig um i was hired to go take some pictures of the cars and whatnot and and the area their lots and 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 take new headshots it was you know your your typical i guess beginner's gig that you you'll usually get um so i went and one of the things uh you know the shoot was going really well uh and uh, you know going all over the place just taking pictures i was using a canon uh 6d at the time 6d with the 24 to 70 2.8 lens the the shoot was going really really well and um up until they asked me to take pictures of their most prized award they have a very big trophy um that they win every year it's a prestigious trophy it's a an elite eight trophy that Lexus gives to their top eight dealerships. And so they win one every they They had won one for the last, I would say three to four years at the time. This was like four years ago. So they, uh, they asked me to take a picture of the trophy and I'm like, you know what? The, the trophy was being displayed on top of a, a marble stand with a glass case over it. And I I thought it would look much nicer uh, next to a Lexus car. So we want I wanted to like position that. However, the uh, the trophy itself was extremely heavy. It was really, really big. And it consisted of I don't think it was real gold, but it was like a like a, a heavy. I don't I don't know if it was iron or titanium, but it was basically very, very heavy. Um. Uh, equipment and the, it had a it consisted of that with like four or five marble layered sheets at the bottom of the trophy and on top of it was a very big glass ball now the first thing that i asked was is this ball attached to the trophy the glass ball on top and they said yes it's attached to the trophy don't worry about it you'll be fine so i i actually went and picked up the trophy and I, we proceeded to like walk around to see it was quite heavy. So, you know, I was like, okay, let's find a location real fast so that we know where we're going to take this. And as we, we go right to their uh, main show car in the middle of the, uh, of the entire facility, the, the main show car in, in the middle where you have your regular uh, customers walking in, that is like the first car that they see it's their, their, I guess their beauty car, if you will. So I wanted to position the, uh, the trophy right next to it. And as I'm, as we're removing all the, I guess the, the velvet ropes that was around this car, 
I go to to hold the trophy up over. I, I go from holding it with two hands to holding it with one hand and put it over my shoulder as if I was carrying a tripod with a camera on top. And unfortunately, the ball, the glass ball was not attached to the trophy like they said it was. And unfortunately, it was just so bad. Such, such a bad, I guess, experience. The ball falls off the trophy and I feel the weight of the trophy just increases significantly. And I feel the ball rolling off the trophy and there's no way I could react in time. Oh, that my heart stopped. So the ball fell. Not only did it fall, it hit the car that we were trying to showcase within this picture. It hit their main car right in the front of the hood. It gave it a nice dent on that car. And the ball crashes and completely shatters on the ground. I could not believe what just happened. And so this is in front of the entire staff. Everybody working there knows what that trophy means. And I'm just standing there. The two employees that I was working with are just standing there in disbelief in what just happened. I could not believe. That was the longest five seconds of silence in my life. I could not believe what just happened. It was incredible. So after about five or six seconds uh, of silence, everyone looking at just what happened. One of the employees was like, well, it w- there wasn't an employee. Thank God that it was like the general manager of the of the place I was working with, um, you know, because I don't I, last thing I wanted was to get anyone fired or anything like that. Um, I uh, he just finally opened up and said, all right, well. That's that. And that was his words. And I was obviously I was I was, you know, extremely apologetic. Uh, But I guess they understood. I mean, they told me, well, I could have sworn that that was attached to the trophy. So I guess he took some blame. Obviously, I'm not putting the blame on anyone else. I should have one been more careful. I should have kept both hands on it. And two, I shouldn't even been touching the trophy to begin with. So. What did we learn in this situation? Never touch anything of value like that ever again. So because of that experience, I do not touch anything at all. I keep my hands clean. I only touch my equipment. And if it's something of value like that, I'll have somebody else do that for me. There's no way that I would I ever want to go through that experience ever again. It was incredible. And so before you ask me uh, if they paid me anyways or they took it off the paycheck or whatnot, like three, four weeks passed and they were trying to see how, you know, you know, I, I, I finished, the, I, I, I fixed up the pictures. I sent them their finished pictures. I did everything and they had not gotten back to me about payment. So I knew that they had to repair it, but that cost like six or seven thousand dollars for that one trophy. That's how much like it costs Lexus to give that to them and and basically that's what they would have to pay so no understanding that and i'm not very i guess you know picky or nitpicky about my money like 
you know, I, I, I think I'm very flexible and understanding and things like that in situations like that. So all I told them was, hey, listen, um, I know it was an extremely tragic event, you know, what happened. And again, I am very sorry, um, you know, but I just want to know if you guys even plan to pay me or if you need that money, you know, I guess to to get another trophy. Honestly, I don't I wouldn't blame you. I don't mind. I just want to know. You know, if you're not going to pay me, just let me know. And that's fine. I, I, I know that I don't count on that, you know, payment or I have to void the invoice. So um, they said, OK, well, we'll keep you posted. I'll let you know. And I did not hear from them. So what I ended up doing, I just ended up scratching that as a loss. Um, and again, I don't blame them. I, I'm not crazy picky about my money. Um, obviously I do expect to be paid when I do work. Um, but in a situation like that, you know, what, what do you do? So I wasn't on them like crazy, you know? And, and so what, what ended up happening, like two months went by and, you know, I had not heard from them. That's when I decided to void the invoice. And, uh, actually it was like the, the following week or two, like two weeks after I voided the invoice, um, I received a check in the mail, uh, for the for the job so you know I do appreciate that they you know they kept their word and whatnot despite what happened but it it was just a crazy crazy situation I was ready to write that job off as a loss but you know it finally worked itself out in the end but again long story short that was just the worst experience I've ever had in production period uh, and I guess goes to show you guys do not touch anything of value at a client's uh, location, if, if it costs a lot of money or if it's ex an extremely valuable object, do not touch it. Let them touch it. Let them maneuver it. Keep your hands clean. That's my recommendation. So today uh, that I want to go ahead and answer a few questions. Um, again, I'm not going to I'm going to try to stay away from uh, talking for, uh, on specific topics just because I, I'm um, as I mentioned in the last podcast, I'm working on getting uh, several people onto my show uh, to start interviewing them because I want to be able to talk about different aspects of film and video production uh, and even photography from the pros that actually uh, specifically target a different niche. Uh, like I, I, I got a couple friends that they're actually a couple. They're wedding videographers. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, they're wedding photographers and they do fantastic, fantastic work for us. So for you photographers out there that are looking into getting into photography and specifically wedding photography, I'm going to be bringing them onto the show and I'm going to, I think they, ha they know they have so much knowledge that I don't think that I can pack that in into one episode, even if I do extend that episode uh, for an hour. So I think we're going to do like a, a two or three part series with them the the you know professional wedding photography and i think you guys are going to enjoy that in addition to that i have another friend that specifically specializes in coloring and he's a colorist and that's how he does his job and he and he's doing really really well so i want to bring him on the show and i want to talk about color correcting color grading etc what his process is his methods his equipment that he uses the software etc so i want to have him on the show in addition to that i'm going to have other uh, cinematographers i'm going to have um uh, other uh, professionals that actually have a job, not exactly freelancing, but actually have 
found themselves a really good job with a really good company and they're they're making it happen, you know, and and get their their perspective on how to get a, you know, a good job and, you know, after film school, etc. So I'm working on that with several of my friends and I want to bring them on. So I kind of don't want to touch on anything that I that they might have a different perspective on. So I want to let them, you know, give their statement and basically I'll share my opinions and it's basically we're just going to have a back and forth on the show. So what I am going to do is answer a few more questions and uh, I want uh, I want to answer a few more questions that you guys have been asking me online and um, just so that, I, you know, I don't I don't want to leave you guys in the dark because I, I, I am getting constant questions from you guys and things that I think I can cover um, myself. And again, what, everything I say is relative and uh, it's only subject to my own opinion. You don't have to take whatever I say as fact. Question number one, do you have any tips or advice for shooting a short film under the age of 16? Like besides actual tips and how to do it, how do you get people to take you seriously? Especially if you need to have an adult actor or crew member for whatever reason. So you're 16 years old and you want to make a film and you realize that you might have to ask people that are much, much older than you and probably more have more experience than you to, to be a part of your film. So I guess what I would, uh, what I would, my recommendation is first of all, act a part. If if you're if you're uh, if you're trying to make a film, you know, you want people to take you serious, then act serious. If you want people to to take you as a clown, you're gonna act like a clown. So act a part. You know, take things serious. Make sure that you know you you approach them with respect and you let them know that look, uh, I know that I'm I this is my project that. And this is what I plan to do. Um, if you have work that you've done in the past and you want to show them, that's I, that might help. I don't I don't see why it would hurt. But I, I, I guess the only thing I would tell you is that, you know, act like the age that you want them to respect you as. And also remember that this industry, when you do when you take on projects like that, um, people are going to expect a lot from you. And if you're 16, that just means you have you have a little more to prove. People don't like to waste their time. They want to be a part of a project that's going to go somewhere. So if you show them that that you you mean business and your previous work speaks for itself in a sense that you got it done, like when you start something, you finish it, that that would be a great way to show people that that they should definitely take you serious and they should not look down on you just because of your age, but because of the the, the product that you're putting out, you know, so show them that your your collaboration that that them joining you is going to be a fruitful relationship uh show them by what you do and how you act and i guess you know that would be a good uh place to start next question can you tell me what must i do for editing a movie like should i compose sound or scoring or compose the video first so you're asking if you should make the 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 music first and then make the the video um, I guess when, 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 I guess when you're making a movie and, and this 
if, if it's like a narrative, you should have some sort of idea uh, as to the vibe and the, the pacing that you want in your film. So if you want something that's high intensity at all times, you're going to shoot with, you know, you're going to shoot with that manner. And that that involves camera angles, camera movement. It's a very big uh, deal when it comes to pacing of your film and obviously the, the music. So you should at least have some sort of idea. I don't think that you have to have the, the music completely composed uh, by a composer before you film. I, I don't know that it's ever done that way from what I understand is, you know, you, you make you shoot the movie with, I guess, some sort of music in your head and then you, you make your shots according to that and then you do the, the more uh, customized approach in your music and scoring. So um, what I've seen done is that people shoot their film and they then go ahead and do the edits with some temp soundtracks. And what that is, is just you go on YouTube or, or wherever it is that you get your music and you go get some free temp music, some music that is very similar to the sound that you were thinking about when you were shooting, you put that on your track, then you send that, uh, that project to a, a full on musical composer and he will go ahead and then make a custom track for your film and replace the temp track with that custom track. The temp track is really to give them an idea of what you're going for, the sound that you're looking for. Uh, and he will make something very similar. Uh, at the same time, it's going to be, you know, royalty free is going to be yours to keep. And obviously that, that that's what you would pay them for. So that is the process as I know it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if some people go the opposite direction. They, they do the music and then shoot the video According to the music, if if the music is the most important aspect of the actual film, uh, I can see that being done definitely. But for the most part, I I, I mostly uh, see it done the first way I just told you: shoot the shoot the video, edit it with temp music, and then go on to to make your your customized uh, track. What makes you so interested with making film? With, I guess for me, as as much as I love the the video aspect and the quality aspect uh in terms of sharpness and color and contrast etc uh the audio and the lights and 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 all the, the the gorgeousness that come with making films i think my favorite part is telling a story and for me as a documentary filmmaker my stories i i, I tend to like to tell true stories i like to to share a story that has been shared with me and i found extremely extremely interesting now my favorite part is being able to tell other people that story in a very cinematic and and visually appealing manner. So that's my goal when I make my films and that's what drives me to continue telling stories. And that's why like, I like to refer to myself as a storyteller. I like to tell stories of people that, that have gone through a very interesting experience. Uh, it doesn't always have to be bad. It could always it could be good as well. But storytelling to me is extremely, extremely, uh, I guess, rewarding. It's it's a, it's quite a compliment when people trust me with their story, when they allow me to tell their story in the manner that I enjoy telling it. And that's what I actually call my passion projects, because that's what my passion is. It's it's actually it's storytelling. It's really visual storytelling, I would I would say. So um, that would be my uh my passion and makes me so interested in making films. Can you talk about your methods for planning and pre-production? Sure. So what, when I get a project, 
I like to start from the end first. And what that means is I like to ask my clients, so what is your purpose for this film? Who's going to who do you plan to watch it? Where do you plan to put it? And then work backwards. Um, what message do you want to tell and what is your audience for this message? Those are the questions that I like to have answered first. And with that, I'm able to kind of start formulating an idea in my head on how to tell uh, this, how to give this message. Unless my client already has a, a fixed idea of how they want to give their message, whether it's a marketing message or simply just tell a, a story message. But for the most part, most of my clients is just marketing. Um, so, you know, unless they have a fixed idea of what they want, which that's sometimes the case, I, I would say about 35% of my clients have a fixed idea of what they want for their video. The rest of my clients actually just trust me and what I create with with their message that they're trying to uh, to tell. But again, I, I start with the mess with, you know, getting a few questions answered in terms of what is the message that you're trying to give to who is it and where are you going to show it? And, uh, you know, I ask them, do you have any specific, uh, do you have, and what helps me a lot is, do you have any videos that you've seen that you would like your video to look like? Um, and if they say no, uh, oftentimes that's sometimes the case. They just trust me with what I create and what I think it's best. Um, I can move forward from then. And then I, I, according to what they want and according to the product or what they want or the service that they want to market, I'll go ahead and formulate an idea. I'll look for different examples of that idea so that I can show them, look, this is what I'm thinking. We can make something like this. And this is the reason why and, and move forward then. Knowing that most footage is converted back to HD, why do you think it's a good idea to shoot in 4K or higher? Um, shooting 4K, I have found, is much sharper than HD. Take my Sony a6300, for example. If you get the HD out of that camera and then put it together and match it up with the 4K out of that camera, it's significantly sharper, even if I am delivering in HD. You, uh, when you, when you down convert uh, 4K or 5K or 6K uh, down to HD, it, you, you're, what you're resulting is, is a much, much sharper image, which is why the, uh, the A6300, and I've said this before, the Sony A6300 is significantly sharper than the A7S, the Sony A7S Mark II, Mark, the A7R Mark II. It's just such a, such a sharp, sharp camera. It's incredible. The reason for this is because the, the Sony A6300 has a 6K sensor that shoots in 6K and delivers you a 4K file. And then that's the reason why it's coming out so, so sharp. So that's why, you know, you're getting a much sharper image in the 4K of the Sony A7S and A7R Mark II. Um, and that's the same concept that applies to 4K versus HD. You want to shoot 4K uh and you, you will get a much sharper image when you're delivering in HD as then as if you were to shoot regular HD and deliver in HD. In addition to that, it's just uh, you, you, you can uh, have a lot more flexibility in framing. For example, for me, I, I do a lot of interviews and I could set up two cameras or I can save enough, save time, shoot 4K and just punch in for a second camera view. And that works just fine. Uh, I lose a lot of resolution when I punch in in HD. Um, so that's another reason for me shooting 4K and delivering HD. 
because if I'm shooting 4K and punching in a lot and and the reason if I was delivering 4K, then that wouldn't work with me shooting in 4K and then punching in in 4K. But if I'm delivering HD, like most of the times that I am, I'm not, you know, I'm able I am able to to go ahead and punch in and, and get that secondary camera shot. And that's the reason why uh, we shoot 4K as opposed to HD, even though we're delivering in HD. So I feel like this episode just flew by so fast. So I want to go ahead and remind you guys that I have upcoming projects like episodes that are in the works that I'm trying to collaborate with a, a few of my friends that, to come on the show. And um, and basically, we're going to have a back and forth on, on different aspects of video production and even photography, wedding photography, uh, like my friends uh, Brian and Natalie. They're, I'm going to have them on the show and they're going to talk to us about how they do their wedding photography and how they get their gigs. And they have international clients that they're flying to India and different places like that to to do photography for weddings. And they're incredible, incredible photographers. Uh, I've known them for more than 20 years now. Um, and I recent, we recently got reacquainted because they... Uh, they got into the photography business and then we actually uh, crossed paths on social media and I saw that they were into photography. They saw I was into videography. We crossed paths. I see them and, and it was just it was just awesome to get reunited with them. So I'm excited to have them on the show. I can't wait to make that happen. And you guys are, are I know you guys are going to love it because it's going to have so much in-depth information on on wedding photography. In addition to them, I'm going to have my friend uh I'm going to have my friend Carlos Gonzalez, who's a colorist, a professional colorist, and makes his living doing color correcting, coloring uh, of, you know, music videos, narratives, documentaries, etc. So the guy's awesome. He knows his stuff. So um, I'm also going to have uh, another friend, Fernando Gomez, who actually has a really good uh, thing going with him. He uh, he's a film. He actually went to film school and has a really good job in film and video production uh, with a nice big company. And I'm going to get him on the show, help talk about what he does, his methods were uh, when he uh, uh, when he went about looking for a job in, in, in the industry. Uh, and another friend, I'm going to have Jennifer O'Grady come on and talk about her film, uh, her her webinar, her webisodes, uh, Saudad. I was actually the DP of the pilot for that show when it first came out. Now they had just wrapped up shooting season one of Saudad and they've been killing it. I can't wait to see the the finished product for season 1. So I plan to have all of them in the sh- on the show at, at some point. Um again, some of them are going to have are going to be just one episode, others are going to have to require two and three episodes uh to be able to pack all that information in that I plan to give you guys and uh I hope that you guys continue to tune in. Thank you guys for subscribing on iTunes and SoundCloud once again. You can go to my website arielmartinez.tv and you can go ahead and leave your comments and questions uh, at any time um, on this podcast or on any other podcast that I have up there. And um, thank you once again for listening, and I will catch you on the next one. <laughs>